Hey everybody, welcome to the Crossways Podcast. We are so sorry that we're a little bit late, but we are glad you're here and we're talking about service. I'm Jonathan Germany. I'm the host of Crossways Podcast, and across from the screen for me is my co-host and good friend, Josh Fowler. Josh, how are you doing today? Uh, man, I'm doing good now that we're finally here. I'm just, I uh, know. I'm just glad to see someone else have the same kind of issues that I have on uh, a regular basis here uh, when we try to go live it's a uh, crazy where the uh, challenges kind of arise isn't it some of the most simple things yes. are frequently the things that give us the the most trouble i uh, it, it 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 was making me very frustrated you know i, I do these <laughs> tests i make everything i test everything before i do it even on sundays i do tests i make sure this is ready to rock and roll and then this, the the company you use makes a change, and it throws all the settings off. Facebook decides they're gonna keep you know they're gonna stick with this new mobile version for the desktop Facebook page. That's rough. And it's it doesn't work half the time, and then when it does work, it works great. When it doesn't work, well, you start ten minutes late or fifteen minutes late, <laughs> and uh, I don't like being late. Uh, late is 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 a pet peeve of mine. Uh, I, I would rather be somewhere an hour early than be one minute late. Yeah, and, that's rough. Uh, and I tell you, when we're going to friend's house, this has nothing to do with service. No, if you're here watching, let us know you're here in the comments. Let us know you're, uh, it, you know, let us know that you're here. Oh, look, mom's watching. Bruce is watching during his lunch. That's great. Oh, Brooke's here too. That's exciting. But this has nothing to do with service. But I remember we were going to a friend's house, and I was like, I don't know how they feel about people being early or anything like this. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to drive around the block and we're going to pull into their driveway right at six when we're supposed to be at their house because I can't be late, but I don't want to be rude and get there too early. And uh, it's always a weird balance. And I guess that does relate to service in some way. You know, you don't want to be a burden on people. But we have to, and we'll talk about, you know, some of the pitfalls of, and some of the things we have to do to practice serving. But if you're watching with us, um, we have a question for you, and we want to hear from you. What's the greatest act of service that you've received? What is the greatest act of service you've received? And I'm going to let Josh go first so I can think about it. <laughs> oh, you know, it's crazy because when we think about acts of service, I like to think about acts of service that I have done. Um, and I can come up with a whole host of those uh, that I'd like to share. Um, however, I think it really helps to see the impact of service when we recognize what people have done for us. Uh, and there, there really are too numerous to name, particularly as you look back through the course of life. Um, but there are two in my life that really stick out to me. Um, one was, uh, when I was a child, child, I was in high school. Um, my dad had moved to Austin to go to school, to get a degree in theological studies. Um, and I don't, I don't want to say we were poor, uh, but we really didn't have much. And my PE teacher from the school that we were in, uh, came in the middle of the night and left a a porch full of groceries. You know, he was a single man and I always saw him as this kind of 
hard-nosed ruffian, you know, because he was always making me run or sprint or, or do things that I hated. Um, and our the bricks on our porch made noise. And so when he came up to the to the porch, it made noise and it kind of woke us up and he was dropping groceries off there. That that really made an impact on me as a child. As an older person, when I went back to school, my Bible class um, at Memorial Road um, basically provided Christmas for my kids uh, when we could have afforded it, but it would have cost us, um, it would have taken a big chunk of our savings um, to, to do those things. And they said, you've chosen to follow this calling that God has put on your heart. And we don't want your kids to, to we want it to be as normal for them going forward as possible. Um, and um, some folks that didn't have a lot of means left us uh, almost $2,000 to purchase Christmas for our kids and to, and to help with, with bills and things. And those are, those are two moments where being humbled to accept the gift of service that someone has brought into my life really brought me into a greater understanding of what God is trying to do with this whole be servant hearted kind of thing. So. Yeah. It, it's hard for us. You know, my mom in here is saying sometimes it's hard for us to accept service and uh, you know, cause you know, I, I can remember sometimes people are like, Hey, I want to do this for you. And it's not really an arrogance thing, but maybe it is right. Cause we like to do things ourselves. And it's, you know, we like to do things ourselves. Don't, you know, don't let people do stuff for you. We've been taught you need to take care of yourself our whole mm -hmm. life because now that's important. It's important for us to work and learn to do things ourselves, but it's also okay to accept help. It's also right. okay to, to, uh, to get uh, assistance. You know, Bruce is in here saying, you know, he worked with um, America Corp building houses um, or building houses in the Appalachian Mountain. Or Appalachian? How, how do you really supposed to say Appalachian? You know, it, yeah, Appalachian uh, mountain area with the group. And he goes, and the family sent us thank you notes for months. And you know, and there's two services here. There's building houses, but then there's also the service of gratitude, and then getting thank you notes for months. So, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. Bruce, you're getting ahead of me. But there's, there's nothing wrong with doing something small. You know, in fact, small services often have some of the biggest impacts. You know, when Catherine had a, a seizure, uh, she was in, you know, and now we know a little bit more about when to go to the ER, when not to go to the ER, when not to go to the ER and spend, you know, $3,500 when all they're going to do is give her fluids. <laughs> And, you know, and then say, go talk, don't, go talk to your doctor tomorrow. But when I'm seeing a full one for the first time or I'm seeing, you know, it's absolutely terrifying. And uh, I can remember going to the ER and, you know, telling a few people, hey, pray for us, you know, just expecting, hey, we'll be praying for you. And a couple minutes later, I get a I get a text message saying, you know, from a good friend of mine, um, and I won't mention his name because he probably wouldn't appreciate that. But he said, I'm in the waiting room if you need me. He, he didn't try to come in, you know, and then say, surprise, we're here. He just said, I'm in the waiting room if you need me. Yeah. And, and he had really no intention of actually coming in. He, he knew that we needed to be there. 
He just said, hey, I'm here. I'm present. If you need me, just let me know. And, and it wasn't, hey, I'm down the road. It was, no, I'm, I'm down the here. hall. Right. Yeah. And just being present, even though he didn't come in the room unannounced or say, hey, can I come in? It, it, it spoke volumes, you know, and I even I remember even asking, hey, do you want to come in and visit? He goes, do you need me? You know, it, it wasn't the, oh, yeah, yeah. It was, do you need me? Yeah. You know, it, it was the understanding those boundaries. Now, someone like me is more extroverted and I'm like, and also as, as a minister, you're, they kind of want you to be there and praying with them. But for friends, sometimes all it takes is just saying, if you need anything, not I can be there, but I'm already here. Well, maybe, maybe receiving acts of service is a discipline in and of itself in some way, or maybe it's two sides of the same coin. Because it is the same mentality that brings us to a place where we are willing to humble ourselves um, to be able to accept with grace that act of service. Yeah. Um, what led up to, you know, receiving this gift from our Bible class was I had always been in a position where I had plenty. I had resources, I had tools, and when people needed help, we were there to help. Um, and I, I really, it gave me purpose, right, of showing up for people when they needed it. And so when we found ourselves in a place of, of need, we weren't in a place of need because of something great that had happened. It was a choice that we made to change careers. Um, and that, that brought us to a different level of uh, income and resources. And so when people would say, hey, Josh, do you need anything? It's like, ah, we're fine. I mean, we had savings. We had money put away for certain things. And we were fine, um, but I missed out on some things. And so I just kept saying, no, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. And people kept saying, let us help. Let us help. Let us help. And one of my elders came to me after class one day, and he handed me this envelope. And he says, Josh, you are robbing people from being able to show you the love of God. And what's worse is you're robbing yourself of the opportunity to experience it. Yeah. Um, and that was, I was 30 years old, right? And that was the yeah. first time I really truly understood. Um, I think about this definition that, that I have of service in some of my notes. It, it's through service, I am living proof of a loving God to a watching world, right? And, and through Christian service particularly, because when, when we talk about service, we're talking about Christian service, um, that it is the way that we demonstrate the love of God to people. And the world is watching. And how are they going to know who God is? They're going to know who God is by the way that we serve one another, by the way that we serve them. Um, it took me far too long to realize that. It has taken me far too long to con to keep internalizing it as well, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a it's a tough one. It really is um, receiving service. It, it it is, and and sometimes it's just as simple as kind of you know another you know being that blessing and and allowing the help. You know, my dad is in here saying when he was a teenager with his best friend's dad, he brought him to a house that he'd never been to. He placed some bags of groceries at their door, and my dad said. Who are these people? 
I don't know. He goes, I just know they need I just know. Yeah, he goes, I just know they, I just know they needed groceries. And yeah. uh, so we, we, we got them, you know, and uh, th that, that's, that speaks volumes. And I, and I think it's important for us to be able to step outside our comfort zone and also being willing, because in this case, that person probably never knew who brought them groceries mm -hmm. and being okay with not accepting credit. And that's huge. Yeah, and I like the, the ministry of the mundane. Um, mundane is a word that I like because it you can just picture mundane, right? It just is routine, everyday, no energy, no excitement. What in the world do I want to spend time with this for? And, you know, when you talk about practicing the ministry of the mundane, uh, you know, buying groceries for somebody isn't really stellar you're not going to get a nobel peace prize for buying somebody groceries you're not going to get written up in the local paper for your great act of service to the community because you put some groceries out there or writing letters that say writing, thank you that's right yeah saying thank <laughs> and you writing the same uh, thing over and over and over man my hand can i just type this yeah. you know <laughs> but those those little things those mundane things just have a way of collecting not only not only in the lives of the people that we're serving, but in our own lives as well. Because I, I just had this conversation this morning with, uh, with my daughter. It's like what you do in the small things shapes how you do in the big things. Absolutely. Um, that I can make conscious choices to follow rules and laws that are ridiculous and ignorant and have no logic whatsoever behind them. Um, and it makes no difference whether I break this law or not. This isn't affecting anybody. It's not going to hurt anybody. But I practice these things in the mundane things so that when the things that, that are greater and have greater impact come, I've already set that pattern. And it, it takes this practice of just with every moment choosing service, choosing godliness, yeah. choosing his way and his will. Well, well let's think about the, my friend who came and said, I'm in the waiting room if you need me. What, you know, and we, they were never aware we actually needed somebody. You know, it was more of a, okay, um, when can we go home? You know, uh, is there anything else we're going to do? No, we just have to give her fluids. And I'm like, well, I could have done this at home. You know, she wasn't that dehydrated. I could have gotten you know, her a drink. You know, and, and, and it wasn't that bad. You know, and, uh, and, you know, later we talked to the doctors, and the doctors are saying, yeah, if it does this, this, and this, then go. But for him, you know, he could have thought, well, if I'm just going to sit in the, in the wedding room and, and I don't even get to see them, and that, was a, that was a wasted trip. I didn't even get to talk to them or let them know, you know, see them and, and, and pray for them. And well, no, we knew he was there. We knew mm -hmm. he was praying. It might seem mundane on the surface to some people, but it's not. So sometimes in this, this ministry of the mundane, we think it's mundane. We think it's just monotonous. We think there's really no purpose or it's just small or meaningless. But it's not. Right. It's not to those we're serving. And again, it's not about us leaving and saying, man, I feel real good. I'm going to pat myself on my bat, uh, back and, and just go, you know, I was like Jesus today. I'm going to go tell Facebook. You know, it's, it's not what it's about. And uh, I don't know.
I think it's about us just being willing to be present in the moment. And, and that's huge. Yeah. And, you know, like, like I said earlier, in one sense, we're talking about the discipline of service, um, but an equal part of the discipline of service is receiving that discipline of service as well. It's the same mindset. It's the same heart. It's the same mentality. Um, and part of what makes, uh, but I think part of what makes receiving service difficult is I have to recognize my weakness. I have to recognize where I am lacking something. And part of giving service is, is challenging in the same way, not in my own weakness necessarily, but recognizing weakness in others and trying to figure out how do I offer this act of service in a way that isn't um, demeaning. Yeah. You know, because I, I, I don't want someone to, I'm going to bring groceries to someone. What if that person didn't need groceries as badly as I thought they did? And now I've come and I brought all these groceries to someone and now you know, we're in this awkward situation where, um, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I just thought I was being helpful. Oh, well, what you, you think we need groceries. You think I can't provide for my family. Right. But so these things come in tandem when it comes, especially with brothers and sisters in Christ, that I recognize that you are trying to serve me out of the goodness of your heart because you're trying to be like Christ. And maybe my resistance to receive that service is my inability to recognize maybe my own weak points and places of vulnerability. Yeah. Um, and it is it's such a, such a challenge, especially when we live in a world that, that loves to serve people for their own purposes and for their own yeah. agendas and for their own promotion. Um, it's, it, it, it's easy for us to begin to conflate Christian service with the kind of service we see in the world. Yeah. And I think, you know, so you have the knowing our, our weaknesses and, and on that side of the receiving end. But I would even say, you know, the limitations on the giving end. You know, someone could say, oh, man, my toilet just exploded. And not, not, not in the sense of, oh, wow, it smells, but like <laughs> it cracked and now there's water spewing everywhere. I mean, I think my kid flushed down his teddy bear and now the whole thing just fell apart. And uh, I cut off the water, but I need help repairing the pipe. Um, don't call me because <laughs> I have no clue. I mean, you can call me but like, hey, what do I do? Uh, I can hand you a tool. That's about it. That's about the limitation of my plumbing experience. You know, so I think we also have to be willing to also say when I need to help, when someone's in need of assistance and we can't fill that need, Maybe the service we can provide is finding someone who can. You know, yeah. if, if you don't know how to do something, you might actually just get in the way. And, you know. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and knowing when to say no, you know. Or oh, knowing yeah. when to say, you know, that. That's, that's probably my biggest downfall with that is, is not that I can't say no. Um, it's, sometimes I just don't want to. Um, and maybe it's because, you know, I want to be someone of service because I want someone to see me as someone they can come to. So is, is it really about me being someone who is living a life of Christian service or is it about me being someone who is needed? Yeah. And, um, oh, well, <laughs> I guess I can do something you can't do. Um, <laughs> in one sense, you know, that it's easy to allow that to become our value and our identity. 
Yeah. And that's not and, what Christian service is about at all. As a three on the Enneagram, <laughs> that is a huge struggle, right? Because it is, you know, a big need of ours is not to not, not you know, the respect thing is fine. That, 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 that's, that's kind of there, but it's not our main motivation. My motivation is to be valued and desired and wanted. Mm. And so, if, oh man, we need your help. I can do that. I can do that. Even if, I'm about to spend some time doing something else. I can drop that and, oh man, because now that person will value me Mm -hmm. and I won't be undervalued or maybe I won't be considered as not being worth anything, right? I want to be, we all want to be considered at least somewhat, what, respected in a way or we don't want people, we don't want to be underappreciated. So I can be appreciated by doing stuff and never saying no. Well, every time we say yes, we are actually indeed saying no to something else. It's just what are we actually saying no to? Maybe it's you're about to spend some quality time with family. Someone calls the phone in a non-emergency way. And, you know, obviously, hey, I'm on the the way to the hospital or so-and-so's on the way to the hospital. Okay, cool. Drop everything if you can and go to the hospital, right? If you're needed, right? Maybe it's just, hey, I'll be there, you know, in the waiting room. But at the same time, hey, uh, can you go and print something off for me and, and have it ready for me? And I'm coming to buy to pick it up. My printer's broken. Um, we're about to eat supper, you know, or, oh, yeah, sure. I'll be in the office in five minutes. You know, right. you're saying no now to your family. And maybe you need to be serving your family. And I think that's important for us to kind of understand with our weaknesses, limitations, and even, and I think we have written down, holding our tongue in the sense of not being so quick to say yes and overcommit. There's been times when I've committed to two things that were happening at the same time, and I, just because of just always wanting to say yes, and then realizing, oh, now who do I say no to? Or, no, I can still make this work. Yeah, right. And then we're not present for either. Well, since you cracked the uh, Enneagram egg, you know, as an eight, it's about control for me. Yeah. Um, and it's not that I need to be in control. Uh, it's that I will not be controlled or manipulated. You know, <laughs> that's like for for us, that is one of the greatest fears, greatest things that cause us anxiety is to be and feel manipulated and controlled. The easiest way to not be controlled is to be in control. Yeah. And so if someone says, can you do this? And I say, well, man, I can't, you know, then it's this, now I feel like I owe them because I couldn't respond when they needed me, you know, or, you know, that can become a tool for manipulation later. Not like, not like the people who I love and respect are actually going to do that. <laughs> but there's this fear in me that I don't yeah. want to give anyone. And so I just say yes. And it's to my detriment often. And not only that, it's also to their detriment, because if I can't do what I promised to do, then they have spent time and money and energy to get to a point where they have to do what they should in the first place. And together we can find someone that's actually equipped to do it. Absolutely. Knowing your limitations is a, is a big, big aspect of of this mess. No, absolutely. It's a messy time that we're in. So. Yeah, it it is. And and then I think that, the, the other thing that we've kind of been talking about is because all these things take practice. They're not going to happen immediately, right? They're not going to happen overnight. 
So then it's also the, the practice of bearing, just being able to say, you know what? I'm going to take on someone's pain, right? Or I'm going to take on someone's need. Now, if I try to take on everything all at once, what's going to happen? Well, I'm going to get burned out pretty quick, you know, right. but if I start small and build up, and is there a point when I can take on too much? You know, and I've told this story before, and uh, people laugh at me because uh, at, at sometimes I, I, I would talk about this stage of my life too much, and, and I know that. And, um, but when I was in high school, you know, I, I can, you know, lifted competitively on a team. And uh, we would practice with uh, LSU's team because our coach was also LSU's powerlifting coach. And, uh, the, you know, these guys were, some of these guys were huge. I mean, some of these guys were just massive. This one guy, I don't even know his name. I just know we all called him Exxon. Okay, I mean, and for those of you who really aren't from, you know, around the area, aren't familiar uh, with, you know, chemical plants, Exxon is a massive chemical plant. And uh, not the gas station, the chemical plant. And uh, we just call him Exxon because he was huge. And that's just what he went by. And we came and our coach was, was teaching us one of the primarily first things he taught us and the things he always made sure to emphasize was proper spotting, sp proper spotting and safety, mm -hmm. you know, because if you're going to learn one thing while you're under, you know, my watch is you're going to learn to be safe. And he taught us where, you know, so when you're lifting and say you're squatting, you have, you have at least three spotters, depending on how much you're lifting. You know, you have one behind you to catch you under your arms to help you stand right. back up and the one on each end of the bar to grab the bar and they all stand up together and you re-rack the weight if you can't lift it. Well, this guy at this competition was squatting 600 plus pounds, which for some of these guys is nothing. And yeah. Exxon was spotting behind him. His goal was to catch the guy if he, if he you know, failed. Well, the guy he was lifting decided it was too much for him as he's, you know, halfway up. So instead of trusting your spotters and allowing people to help you, or either he panicked or he was a jerk, I haven't decided, he bailed and just kind of just stepped forward and just let go of the bar. And the two side spotters were not paying attention, and Exxon had caught the bar in his in his arms, you know, around the, the inside of your elbow and stood up and re-racked it because he's just a mad massive. Exxon. Yes. Cause he's Exxon. Right. But he, his whole arm was bruised. I mean, the whole entire arm was bruised and, and he could seriously have been injured, you know, because he was, you know, almost 300 pounds himself, you know, it, it, you know, pound to pound it. It's not a, a lot. You know, it, it's a lot, but pound for pound, it, it's really not. And uh, for people who I don't lift. Care, I don't care if you're 400 pounds. <laughs> 600 pounds is still a lot. <laughs> well, it is. But, you know, it is. But for, for someone who's training like that, it's still impressive for what he did. It's unheard Absolutely. of. Absolutely. But it's dangerous because the guy, in, you know, that's also when we practice bearing. And also we have to be willing to say, I can help you, but don't dump your stuff on me. Right. Don't just say, oh, you're going to help yeah. me carry my bags. Here's everything and throw it on them. That's kind of what we do. And we don't do that. And just I need help. We do that when we're angry. Oh, I'm going to take my anger out on you and I'm going to toss all my baggage on you. 
and make you carry all my baggage. Because after all, you're supposed to bear one another's burdens. So I'm angry. I'm having a bad day. I'm going to give it all to you. That's not what service is about. Yeah. It's not like Paul meant in Galatians. There's this, uh, this balance that comes there, right? Um, and, and we're all responsible for it. Like I'm responsible for my own action and, and, and reaction. And you're responsible for your own, but but as a community, we're res- we we bear some community responsibility for that as well. Um, but we have to be aware of how, you know, what we do affects the community. And that's that's a challenge. Sometimes we have to also just accept the fact that sometimes people are hurt, and when they respond, they respond in ways uh, where everything does just get dumped, and it gets dumped because they are so overwhelmed with what they are dealing with in life, that if there is ever the freedom to unload, then it just comes. And, and sometimes you drop off one load. And when, when you drop off, you know, what's in this hand, now your balance is off and everything just comes crashing down. <laughs> and, and sometimes we realize that, and that prevents us from, from releasing that burden as well. It's like, look, I know I need to get rid of some of this stuff, but I don't know what's going to happen when one thing goes. The whole thing, this whole house of cards really might come crashing down. Um, and sometimes we get in a place where I know what you need. I recognize what service you need in your life to make things better. Um, and it becomes far too easy for me to be offended if people don't want to accept that service when I know what's best for you. But we have to be able to also look into their lives and see how tenuous, tenuously sometimes things are put together. And even an act of service can cause, you know, chaos in some of those areas. And so we have to be very cognizant of, of what we're walking into, of how we're handling things, being very open and honest with people that even the people we're serving um, and hearing their pleas and their cries. And sometimes them saying, no, no, no. It's not because they don't want to accept the service. It's because they see what's about to come down. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that kind of helps us understand the differences between the self-righteous service and the, and the true service. Where are, are right. we wanting to serve because we want to make a big splash, which, is, which would be you know, self-righteous service? Are we just trying to ask, man, what can I do? I got to make an impact. You know, I got to make a difference. I got to – oh, I can – I can help and I can change this result. You know, I, I think about, uh, there's a funny, <laughs> in marriage, there's this funny video called, it's, it's not, it's about, not the nail. about the nail. Yes. It's one of my, it's the funniest video, especially for people with our personalities, right, Josh? Yes. And so this, this lady, if you haven't seen it, uh, you need to look it up. It's not about the nail. I'll do a little explanation very briefly. But she has a nail in her head. And she's complaining about how much her head hurts, how her sweaters are snagged, and all. I mean, she's just going on and on and on. And this guy just can't stop staring at her forehead. And he's like, I, I, you know, I, I think if you took the nail out, it would. And she goes, it's, listen, it's not about the nail. And she's just wanting him to listen. And he's like, you know, no, I really think if you take the nail out, you know, too often we're, we're trying to solve people's problems when really solving problems isn't what service is actually about. 
you know, yes. solving, you know, service is about what can I do for you or what do you need? And then let me also kind of guide you and do it with you. Right. And, and again, giving credit to God, not right. look how great I am. I'm, you know, I made you, you know, you would have gotten nowhere without my help. Well, that's manipulation. Yeah, when we've talked through, you know, a lot of scripture and around a lot of scripture that that embraces and embodies these these practices. But, you know, Jesus is really that perfect example, right? I mean, you look at the way he dealt with the apostles, the way he dealt with the sick, the way he dealt with the woman caught in adultery, the way he dealt with the woman who had the issue of blood the, with Jairus. You know, all these people come to him uh, and, and even in one case, he does. You know, when they lower the man, they dig through the man's roof and they lower him down. And he says, "Son, your sins are forgiven." And the guy's like, "That's not what I came for." <laughs> yeah. Um, Time out. Says, Hold yeah, up. <laughs> I can get forgiveness of sins anywhere. I I heard you can make people walk. Um, and so he recognizes people where they're at, and and he gives them what they need, but he also gives them, you know, this very physical act of service what they really needed was a relationship with god and forgiveness of sins uh, but he didn't allow them not recognizing their true need to prevent him from giving the act of service that they came for or that or that they saw yeah. that they needed mark ten forty five, even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many Right. And so that is what shapes who we are. You are people of service because you follow the greatest servant to have ever lived. And by the way, that greatest servant to have ever lived was also the son of God and the king of glory. Yeah. And and he chose the role of the servant. He wrapped a towel around his waist. He washed people's feet. He walked into the den of thieves. He sat down at the table with sinners he spoke to adulterers. He said, let the little children come to me. He touched lepers. He healed the lame. And he didn't even have to be here, right? I mean, he gave up his place, his throne in glory to come down here and live with you and me so that we can live with him. And then Paul says, this is your attitude. Yeah. The same as that of Christ Jesus. Yeah. Who had all of these things, but considered it nothing for your sake. Definitely. I want to piggyback off of what you said, and I'm going to look, I'm going to try to look in the camera when I say this, <laughs> but you know, when Jesus did said, you know, he, I came to serve, not to be served. Uh, let's make a distinction here. When we do stuff for others with the expectation that later they'll do stuff for us, that's not service. That's manipulation. Uh, and, and, and plain and simple. And uh, so when we're doing things for others, we have to expect, you know, I may get nothing in return. I mean, let's think about it. Jesus, when he served, he knew he wasn't going to get anything in return. He even knew I might not even get a thank you when he healed the lepers. Right. How many came back? <laughs> you know, and it 10%. wasn't all of them. Yeah. Ten percent of people came back and said, hey, thanks. Yeah. But he still healed the other nine, knowing I'm not going to get a thank you. And, and I think we have we have to be comfortable in knowing, you know what, I'm not going to get gratitude for this. And in fact, that's not why we do stuff, you know. And we may not be successful in helping others reach 
the end goal they need to get to. Right. But here's the thing. God called us to be faithful, not successful. Right. That's you right. know, he will provide the success. You know, we're planting and watering. God provides the growth. Yeah. Were you ready for some practical pieces? Oh, I, I need to hear some practical pieces. Um, there's a few things we've kind of missed that we had discussed previously, but uh, I think we hit on some things that were pretty important as far I as think so. the mindset of service. Um, if you're going to talk about a mindset, you think about a diet, you think about a workout regimen, you think about a practice of meditation or anything like there has to come this, this daily act that grounds me in that. Um, Isaiah chapter six and verse eight, you know, when Isaiah is in the room with, with God, you know, he has this response to God, here am I, send me. I, I think that is one of the things that has to be our daily prayer. That when I wake up in the morning, you know, I'm saying to God, I'm yours today. Send me wherever you want me to go. Um, give me the wisdom and the discernment to uh, seek out ways that I can be of service and I can show people what it is, what it is that you have or, or that you want to give them as far as being in your, in your presence. Um, I like starting, you know, just with people, um, start with people in your house. Um, if you're, I don't know, I'm trying to look down the hallway to see if my wife is listening or not, but, um, I hate taking out the trash. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. I don't know what it is about it, but Tuesdays I come home and I mean, Wednesday is our trash day. And sometimes our trash man comes like at six o'clock or five 30 in the morning. So you got to do it on Tuesday. Yeah. I just want to wait till Wednesday morning. I don't know why. I mean, it, it's not like it's complicated. It's not like I have to walk a mile. Um, but I just, I just hate it. Oh yeah. She just stuck her head out. She is listening. <laughs> She's um, on the feed. <laughs> yeah. For the last. I should have warned you. I'm sorry. she's always listening in one way or another um like when i come home from work uh from the office and i pull up in the driveway and it's tuesday night and the trash can is already out by the street there's just this sense of relief and joy that comes over my over my mind it's like man she also hates taking out the trash um and maybe she got the kids to do it i don't know how it transpires but what i know is she knows that I don't like it, and she frequently makes sure that 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 little piece is not is something that's off my plate. Uh, if if I come in and the dishes are dirty, you know I'll just do the dishes, um, or or pick up or 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 do some little things like that that I know she thinks needs to be done. Um, but I know that she really doesn't have time to do them or the energy to do them. Little little things where we start personally. We start personally with with things in our circle. Uh, and, and then maybe you do something in your community. Maybe the, the pond in your neighborhood needs to be cleaned up. And yeah, we got a pond guy that does that. Or me and my kids could walk around and pick up trash and talk about the act of serving people. Um, not because we get paid for it, partially because we get some benefit out of it, but mostly because this is one way that we serve our neighborhood. Clean up the park, maybe uh, mow a neighbor's yard who I know has been sick or gone. Yeah. I've already got my mower out. What's another 20 minutes to mow that front yard? 
but just a little act of service like that. And then moving into that missional mindset that, that gets outside of those things that immediately affect me and get into my city, my community, my country, my world, and how I can serve in greater ways that way. Definitely. Um, and uh, th this kind of reminds me of, um, and I used to do a form of this. Uh, it's different, and, and I would encourage you guys, um, maybe modify it a little bit, because uh, uh, when you have a, a bigger circle, or a, a bigger community, a bigger congregation, it's definitely easier. And uh, not that service is about being easy, but when we're doing a discipline, you, you kind of, you have to build up. Yeah, you go start but um, about five plus years ago, um, Adam Fawn put out um, something he does for ministry called a five by five. And uh, where, and I believe it's every week. Yeah, every week he does now, this is in ministry, but we can do something, you know, maybe you say, hey, I want to do one of these five, not five of these five, you know, five of each. But he does five visits, five cards, five phone calls, five emails, and five other messages, like on Facebook or a text message or whatever, and uh, doing certain things every week. Now... You know, for some, sometimes, you know, especially when you, you have smaller congregations or smaller communities, uh, you could contact everybody like once a month at, at that point, you know, with families mm -hmm. or and once every two months. And that's not bad, you know, but when you're contacting basically what, well, that's 25 people a week, you know, well, uh, we could fill that up pretty quick at, mm -hmm. um, at certain times, but that's not necessarily bad. Now... All the you know for me the the visits are, are sometimes hard because sometimes you just with scheduling it's hard to do that but right. just saying hey I attempted to show up sometimes just asking hey is there anything you need you know do you need me to come visit do you need groceries you know but maybe maybe you know for you guys who are watching I said you guys <laughs> you guys who are watching maybe one of those one visit one card one call one email one text message a week. You, you probably already might be doing that. But then you'll realize this isn't as hard as I'm making it out to be. Isn't Again, it's not about a big, grand gesture. Like my mom says, it takes awareness. You know, knowing where the service is needed. Hey, this person needs a, a letter. You know, hey, this person needs a phone call. They, they had surgery. And I just want to check up on them. Or hey, this person, you know, just... And I saw this person helping somebody else. Send a message. Hey, thanks for serving. That's a form of service. Right. Giving other people recognition and saying, I appreciate you. That, that Those are some practical ways I think about that actually, as you were talking, popped in my head. So I had to Google uh, Adam's uh, list very quickly. <laughs> so no, I like it. And there's just, a, I mean, the simplest things. The simplest things can be acts of service. And it, and I think to a large degree, we are already people of service, you know, especially with the people that, that we love. Um, what, what makes this thing in, inherently Christian about service is moving that into like a lifestyle. Like it's not just something that we are doing because it's convenient or because we love someone or because I am storing up favor 
Yeah. Um, but I am serving because I recognize what God has done for me, in me, and through me. And because of what God has done, I serve. Not necessarily people I love. Sometimes the people I don't know. Not necessarily to big, build up favor because sometimes there's going to be no favor. If I serve the man on the corner that has doesn't have two dimes to, to rub together, I'm probably not getting anything in return for that. <laughs> um, but it just becomes a part of our nature, a part of our character, a part of who we are. We are people of service. And sometimes it returns. Sometimes it doesn't. That doesn't matter. What yeah. matters is we are people of service. Um, Definitely. Definitely. Well, I think we had a good chat today. Uh, for those who are listening, uh, thanks for being here. Uh, we always appreciate an audience, and it was uh, we got some good comments, and uh, we didn't get to everyone's comment, but that's okay. But remember, our goal is to walk in the way of the cross, and sometimes that's cross-cultural. Sometimes uh, that's not uh, the way the world says it, and that's why we're here about uh, talking with, with crossways. But we're here on Thursdays at 12 o'clock Eastern, 11 o'clock Central. So grab your lunch, uh, join us around lunchtime. Maybe next time we'll be eating lunch ourselves. I don't know, I'm kinda hungry myself and uh, kinda made that mistake. But we're glad that you're here. As, as I said, these videos are brought to you by Holly Hill to Christ and Goodwood and also uh, the Ministry League. Uh, we're glad you're a part of this. And I guess we will see you guys next time. Sweet.